1: Good morning! It is Wednesday, April 6 2022. You're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, as always, we have a great show for you, and it's a busy show. We're going to be talking Catholic Charities. We're going to be talking Victory Sports. And in our second section, we're going to be talking to Ali Hoffman. And uh, we're going to be talking about how beauty leads us to God. And uh, so stay tuned. Before we do anything else, I want to uh, welcome all our listeners here at KEDC 88.5 FM Hearn Bryan College Station, and also our listeners in Central Texas listening on KYAR 98.3 FM Lorena Waco. And a shout out to our listeners in Palestine on KINF 107.9. Our phone number is 85-LOVE-RED-SEA. That's 855-683-7332. But I think our phone lines are pretty much booked up right now, so you might have trouble getting through. I'm Mm -hmm. joined in the studio this morning by our president, Dennis Maka. Dennis, how are you?
2: I'm doing very well. Beautiful Deacon Mike Beauvais. That's why I'm not going to be on the second part of the show since you're talking about beauty. I'm just going to mute my <laughs> microphone at that point. <laughs> so, yeah, very happy to be here. We've we've got our, our phone lines are packed. We've got Thaddeus and Robin Romanski on the other line, and we got John Patchy on uh, one line from uh, Catholic Charities of Central Texas. We've got a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting things in around the community as well as with Red Sea to talk about.
1: So... Why don't we just go ahead and get right to it, and we'll start with uh, John Pocci, uh with uh, Catholic Charities Central Texas, and he wants to talk to us about the Creating Hope Luncheon on April 29th. Awesome. Good morning, John.
3: Good morning, Deacon Mike and Dennis and Thaddeus and Robin. Nice to talk to you all today. Thank you.
1: Well, what can you tell us about the Creating Hope Luncheon and what we need yeah. to know?
3: you bet uh this is a great great opportunity if you're in a position to to help others we have a great event coming up perfect way to give back it's our first creating hope luncheon in the brazos valley in two years so we're want to be reconnecting with the community and um get this this you know community back thriving again um we already on that way and we're just want to be a contributor to that our annual luncheon um it's free it's called Creating Hope Luncheon in Brazos Valley, and it is free. It will be at the Hilton this year. Great opportunity to reconnect, as I said before. Um, it's going to be on April 29th from 1130 to 1, again, at the Hilton and College Station. And um, we'd love to see Red Sea listeners come out and have a wonderful time. It's going to be a lot of fun. Plenty of networking opportunities, and uh, may even see some of your favorite Red, Host, Red Sea hosts there.
1: Now, uh, John, uh, a yeah. uh, quick yeah. question. Um, what exactly are we going to be doing with the funds that we raise at this luncheon, just to give our listeners an idea of what their contributions will help out with?
3: Great. Thank you for asking. So, um, you know, we like to say there's a place for everyone at Catholic Charities. And um, even if you're in, in need of a little help, we offer a lot of services, and our, our six services— are in need um, from everyone's support. And what we do is we help provide financial stability to those on the verge of being evicted. We provide mental health counseling. We provide veteran services for those that are um, housed that need to, you know, rental and utility assistance. We also provide uh, pregnancy and parenting classes for those that have children um, expecting up to the age of three. And um, right now in disaster, um, we've done uh, a mark out in Madisonville and across Central Texas, we've helped over 100 families with our disaster response program. So um, your contributions and your support is needed for this type of help that we want to serve our community with.
1: And how would our listeners be able to reserve a seat at the event? Or do they need to? Yeah.
3: Yes, please. Yes, we, we want to be good stewards. And, and let the uh, caterer know how of our head count. so RSVPing is critical to that and so um, if you want to come please give us a call at 979-822-9340 and extension 116 or you can RSVP online at our website ccctx.org and it's under the events tab and you can RSVP right there you can also if you cannot attend you can donate to support our luncheon at that same website. Um, every dollar we raise is going in the Brazos Valley stays here in the Brazos Valley. I want everyone to know that. Um, and so helping families impacted by tornadoes and for financial assistance, all of that is going to be um, using you know, those funds.
1: All right. Remind our listeners again real quick where and when.
3: Yes. So the where, College Station, the Hilton on University Drive, Friday, April 29th from 1130 to 1. It's going to be a jam-packed event, a lot of excitement. And, um, you know, one more time, just to, to be able to RSVP, 979-822-9340-116 or at our website, ccctx.org. We are looking forward to seeing everyone there. It's going to be a fun time.
1: John, thank you for coming on the air and reminding our listeners about this great event, and I hope the turnout is packed.
3: Yes, the same. Thank you so much, Deacon Mike and Dennis and everyone at Red Sea. All uh, right. Looking forward to it. Thank you. God bless.
2: Bye. Thank you, John.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you, Dennis. All right. And speaking of great events. And yeah. great people. We're going to be talking to Thaddeus and Robin Romansky about victory sports. Thaddeus and Robin, how are you?
4: Oh, we're great. Deacon Mike, how are you?
1: Absolutely wonderful. So we're having this great kickoff for victory sports. So why don't you tell our listeners about what's going on and why this is so important?
4: You bet. I just wanted to make a connection though. You said you have Ali Hoffman on in the second part of the show talking about beauty and Dennis was saying he'd have to excuse himself or just be on the radio at that point. Remember? Um, <laughs> and I just wanted to say, you know, that's an interesting coincidence because a motto of ours is the beauty of faith through the beauty of sports. So we're going to kind of be a perfect segue for you.
1: you Wonderful. Know, <laughs> Indeed.
4: <laughs> yes. Um, Anyhow, yes, the kickoff event is on April 23rd. We are hosting a volleyball clinic that afternoon from 1.30 to 4 p.m. for first through sixth grade um, girls or six to 12-year-old girls. It's $25 for the clinic, but they get a, some great coaching on fundamentals. All skill levels are invited you know, to attend, and they also will get a Victory Sports t-shirt. And then we're encouraging everyone to join us at mass. Um, the vigil mass that evening at 5 at St. Anthony's and then that will be followed by um, a picnic meal and a concert or live music performance by Catholic musician Michael James Menies and that'll be back in the St. Anthony's gym. So it's going to be a really exciting and fun event and and free for families the the food and and music that evening. So we just encourage everyone to come out and find out more about Victory Sports and also join in fellowship and time together, um, you know, celebrating joy in the, in the Easter season. That'll be in the Easter season at that point.
0: Yeah. And I think uh, we want to make the focus of the clinic is going to be on fundamentals, but also on the theme of trust, because as you know, it's the vigil of the divine mercy Sunday on Saturday, April 23rd, when we have the clinic and the, and the kickoff event. And what does the, What's the saying at the bottom of uh, the divine mercy image, Deacon Mike? I know that you know it pretty well.
1: Jesus, I trust in you.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so we want to talk about how fundamentals are important in athletics because we have to trust in those fundamentals so that we can perform to our very best, give glory to God. And we also have to trust in our teammates when we're on on the court or the floor or the field. And all of those things, setting them in that vision of trusting in, in God, trusting in Jesus, can help us to do that in all aspects of life. And So that's going to be the theme and the vision for the clinic, along with the great volleyball coaching.
1: And I'm assuming that uh, the great coaching is going to be provided by Robin rather than you? Yeah,
0: not me. <laughs> okay.
1: I'm I, I, <laughs> I just— yeah, I'm just making sure.
4: Yes, I'll be heading up the volleyball coaching.
1: Very good. But the
4: play part is a, joint is a joint effort, correct? Yes. As well, most so things yes, are in again, marriage. I wanna, <laughs> right. I want to encourage everybody who's listening to, you know, come out for the event, but also tell everyone you know. Everyone is invited to attend.
2: And there's no RSVP required for this. Is there not for the uh, kickoff. There, There is for the clinic itself. So they can okay. go to, again, victoryyouthsports.org to be able to sign up.
1: And uh, before I let you all go, uh, for those listeners that might not be aware of what Victory Sports is, would you give us just a brief introduction to what the goal of Victory Sports is?
4: You bet. I'll do my best to make it brief. Um, Victory Victory Sports is a new arm of Red Sea, the Red Sea Apostolate. So, every everyone listening knows about Red Sea, obviously from the radio uh, portion of it. But Red Sea is religious education for the domestic church, and Victory Sports is just now another avenue for Red Sea to help um, equip the, the domestic church your families and bring families together and. Encourage community and growth in the faith, and so this idea with the sports is that it will be a parish-based sports league or sports teams that will compete in an inter-parish league. So St. Joseph's will take on St. Thomas or St. Anthony's, and it will it will be for youth aged, you know, ages six to twelve initially, and and they'll compete on teams for their parish and then against the other parishes with parent coach volunteers and and the idea from the faith evangelization component of of the program is that you know we'll equip parents with the necessary um tools to be able to make those connections based on the victory virtue that we'll have that you know each week and the particular saint feast days or the liturgical calendar so that Mm -hmm. You know, the domestic church just has some more fuel to keep the fire burning bright.
1: Wonderful. Now, before you go, quickly again, uh, the kickoff yes. is April 23rd.
4: That's right. April 23rd from one thirty to 4 is the clinic and the mass at 5, meal around 6.15, and live music beginning at 7. All of this is at St. Anthony's here in brian but everyone is welcome and if you are interested in the clinic for that please register online on our website at victory org. and for everything else just come on out we can't wait to mm-hmm. get to chat with you meet you and tell you more about the vision of victory sports
1: uh, thaddeus and robin thank you thank very you. much for coming on the show and telling everybody about this because i think think everyone's getting excited about victory
2: sports you bet thank y'all very much you know if they're excited in central texas as well stay tuned because we are looking to expand god willing outside our brazos valley region this is just going to be the pilot for our programming and we've got to get it started somewhere and sometime and now now is the time and now is the here's the place so sign up people and and find out more all right and
1: um Before we go, I want to remind everyone that uh, this next week is Holy Week. Mm. And so, a quick reminder, the Catholic understanding of Easter is not just Easter Sunday. We have the whole triduum, uh, the Mass of the Lord's Supper on Thursday, the veneration of the cross on Friday, the Vigil Mass on Saturday, And then, of course, a celebration of the Lord's resurrection on Sunday. So look at your parish's website to see what's going on and um, make an effort to be there for the whole triduum. We're going to be back on the other side to talk with Ali Hoffman about beauty and how it leads us to God. And uh, stay tuned because we're just going to have a short break and we'll be right back.
3: I was dead
1: in the grave. And we are back. You're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. And as promised, in a second, we're going to be talking with Allie Hoffman. Now, I looked on her website, and I love the way she introduces herself. It says, Allie has a passion for Jesus, the Catholic Church, her family, donuts, and Chipotle, in that order. So I am glad that Chipotle isn't further up the list because I have no use for Chipotle as much, but everyone has different tastes. Uh, she served with the Net Ministries after graduating from the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota, with a degree in Catholic Studies and Family Studies. She came back home to Texas, and she was a youth coordinator uh, for St. Catherine of Siena Catholic Church in Carrollton for six years. Now she's an artist. And um, we're going to check with her and see what exactly the job of an artist is. So, Allie, welcome. How are you?
5: Hi. Thanks for having me. I, it's interesting that you say Chipotle is not on top of your list. We can talk about that later. But <laughs> <laughs> other than that, everything is fine. But I'm doing great on this beautiful day.
1: Now, Allie, uh, I covered a little bit about your background, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Yeah. So um, I, like you said, I was a missionary for two years and then I was a youth minister for six years and kind of all in between. And now I do like freelance kind of artwork and kind of how that all started, I, um, I when I per, like when I pray personally to Jesus every single day, I like to journal and I like to write and I like to make scripture beautiful. Um, and about seven years ago, I decided I really wanted to get better at hand lettering. <laughs> and so I, I had this New Year's resolution, which I do not do New Year's resolutions because I think they're horrible and I'm I'm so bad at them. But I was like, I just want to get better at something every so every single day. I was just going to write. It's hand letter something, and it happened to be the scripture, because that's what I would pray with every day, anything from the word of Jesus. And I decided that I was going to put it up on Instagram every single day just to get better at it. And then now, seven years later, I'm a full-time artist. That's one of the things that I do, because I got better at it, hey— Um, So, yeah, my life right now is I call myself a freelancer, just a full-time freelancer where I do a lot of art pieces. Um, I also go around and talk give talks to retreats and conferences and all the fun stuff um, and then work on some other projects. But, yeah, I mean, the bio, I love Jesus, I love the church, I love my family, and I love donuts. And I think that just encompasses who I am.
1: Well, like I said, uh, the first few were dead on point. Uh, I fully agree with you. That last one we'll have to work on. (laughs) Um, We
5: can pray for that. Okay.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Now, one of the things that struck me is one of your um, many talents is calligraphy. Yes. And when you were talking about doodling with Scripture and making Scripture beautiful, my Mm -hmm. first thought is, you know, Bibles used to be hand copied Yes. and they used to include not just the calligraphy, but also images and mm-hmm. things to truly make them beauty. One of the reasons that, of course, Bibles truly used to be changed uh, chained to the <laughs> ambo is because it would take years to complete one
2: mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. you didn't want somebody just walking off with it. But it was the idea that the Bible, as it was being copied, had to be beautiful. And we've sort of lost sight of that. Although I must say, um, Bishop Barron's new um, Bible with his commentary makes an effort to try to recapture that notion. But uh, what do you think about the idea of not just, you know, Scripture being beautiful, but the Bible itself being beautiful?
5: That, I mean, honestly, until you just mentioned that, that I didn't even think of that because I, like my whole thing was, man, like the words of Jesus and like the words of the Holy Spirit, like what God has put together, like the Bible itself, the words are so beautiful to me. And like, I could read one scripture passage over and over and get something out. So I was like, how can I make this look like physically look just as beautiful? And what you just said about, man, you were exactly Right before, like, they would actually make it, like, there's, I think there's, like, a a resurgence of kind of making scripture actually look as, like, physically beautiful, but man, I think there's something about the beauty, like, beauty itself and how it draws people, like, any type of art, if you look at a piece of art and it's beautiful or, like, you're drawn to it, you want to know who created that, Mm -hmm. like, who made this piece, and I think, like, man, churches throughout You know, just like old school churches or churches all throughout Italy or like places in Europe, they're visually just like gorgeous. You walk in and there's like this awe-inspiring experience of this draws me to something higher. And like, and I always struggled with, and I kind of talked about this on this retreat of, of what there's this quote that floats around in the art, you know, creative world that beauty will save the world. And I kind of always struggled with that because I could not understand, like, I'm, my, my mind is like, Jesus saves the world, beauty doesn't. So it's kind of like this dichotomy of like, what does that even mean? Um, and it wasn't until I actually went to Italy at the beginning of February. And I was kind of thinking about all this, how does, because I just had a conversation with a friend, how she is a creative and she wants to make beautiful things. And she said this quote, and I said, I don't really know how that fits in my life, even though I'm an artist. And it wasn't until um, I, we were taking a day trip to this coastal town off of Lake Como, and I was reading my like daily reading for that day in the Magnificat. Um, it, it said specifically this quote. It said, God in His power is refuge and strength. God in His mercy is the river that refreshes the soul. And then God in His beauty stills all of our useless struggles and gathers us into peace. And that's, that ending line, God in His beauty stills all of our useless struggles and gathers us into His peace, I was so struck by that, of that, not only is that the beauty that I want to create, but that idea, that this idea of beauty of stopping and gazing and taking a moment to look like with these beautiful Bibles that, you know, like you said, that are chained to these ambos, or that took time to make and took time to create and... Even myself, when I when I doodle or when I hand letter something from scripture, like it's not that I just can do it super fast and then it's done, but it like it takes time to just sit with it. And it uh, one of my um, favorite preachers right now, um, John Mark Comer. He has this he has a saying where one of the greatest spiritual evils of our time right now is just hurriedness and busyness, and that. Our lives are so incredibly full and busy, even with good things, that we do not have time for God. Even even filling our lives with good things, it's we are constantly on the go. And so this idea that beauty stills our useless struggles and it can still our soul, like if you go into a beautiful church and you just sit there and look <laughs> and be, I, I think like thinking through all of that and like thinking through man, what does the role of beauty have and why is there kind of this need for beauty and what, like you said, what Bishop Robert Barron is making and like what other artists are trying to make it. I think it's leading us into this place of like, can we just be still for a moment and to go in back into the peace and flow of Jesus and for him to still our useless struggles. So for me, that's what, I would hope what I create and what I hope, what I want to create and what makes sense of that's how beauty will save the world of, of this. Can we just, this super fast paced society that is always on the go, that we're just so tired and we have no idea that how tired we are and like how burdened we actually are. Can we go back into that, you know, that verse in Matthew, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And what does that rest look like? Like entering into the beauty of Jesus that just, stops itself, basically. So, I mean, that's kind of what I've been praying through and, like, ruminating on. (laughs) Just, like, these big ideas of, like, okay, but practically how does that look in my life? And, like, how does my art, how can my art do that for people,
0: basically?
1: And I think listening to you talk, the thought I had is that if we really contemplate beauty, true beauty is something that takes us out of ourselves, Mm. It is something where I am so overcome by what Mm. I am exposed to that I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking of the beauty. And so much of what we see nowadays as art is self-aggrandization. It's more about, you know, the artist than the art. Mm. And I think true art and uh, a little later we're going to talk about uh, uh, St. John Paul II's letter to artists, but that true art is always geared towards taking us out of ourselves and getting us to realize there's something outside of ourselves that leads us to God.
0: Mm.
1: And I think, uh, you know, true art, you know, and uh, listening to you talk, that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to create something that takes someone out of themselves where they look at it and it is just, it's like uh, when you were talking about the cathedrals in Europe, Mm. you cannot sit in one without going, Oh my goodness. This is marvelous. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm just so overcome with what I am seeing. That's beauty. Yeah.
5: Yeah. I mean, there's this great quote from the catechism. Um, that it talks about i'm trying to think i think it's catechism like 2095 maybe um but it talks about that the worship of the one true god sets us free from turning in on ourselves and it like it sets us free from the slavery of sin and i think like exactly talking about like true beauty like getting you to take a pause and breath and get you outside of yourself of like kind of turning i i I call it belly gazing (laughs) so Mm, kind of like stopping from belly gazing yourself and to look up and like man what what hopefully what true beauty like you said what true beauty can do is to help you focus on worship of the one true god because we know like that is why we were created to worship him hopefully in heaven for the rest of eternity like we were made to worship and we were made to give praise and glory and like that's how as human beings were created and so what what true art i think can do is to pull yourself pull yourself out of that inward gaze and like that belly gazing to get your mind up to what you are actually do to like created to do and so when you're in these spaces or you're contemplating beauty or like you know it, it can even be like uh like it doesn't have to be a piece of art or a beautiful art piece of architecture it can even just be like um Right now I'm sitting outside of a church and the bells are actually Mm -hmm. going. So it's pretty funny. But like in, in Rome, when I was on this coastal town in Verena, off the coast of Lake Como, like we, my friends and I, we literally just sat on a beach and we, um, we just read books for about two hours and it it was just this moment of like peace and rest and and feeling like my soul was connecting back with my body. Like I slowed, I think that's what it is. I slowed down enough to be able to breathe and to remember like all of my useless struggles or all the things that, you know, there are important, but all of this, this rat race and trying to keep up and the, the futility of the world and just all of that. When I, when you just stop and breathe and take a moment, I think like what you said, it, you're able to turn away from yourself and, and the selfishness and the, you know, the pride and all of that stuff, belly gazing to look up to the worship of the one true God. And when you constantly are able to do that and, and what is the most, I mean, one of the most beautiful things you can do is what gaze into Jesus and Eucharistic, Eucharistic adoration, right? So when you're like gazing at this beauty and like gazing at that, like Man, what, what that actually is doing, it's more than just, that's a really cool piece of art. But, like, I think it's so much deeper of, man, you're able to turn back to the Lord and worship the one true God in spirit and in truth. I'm trying to find the catechism quote. It's somewhere in there. I'll have to find it. It's like 1097 maybe. I don't know. I'll find it.
1: <laughs> well, while you're thinking of that, I want to remind our listeners you're listening to the Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais, and we're talking to Ali Hoffman. And we're talking about beauty and how it leads us to God. Now, when we talk about beauty and uh, we always uh, talk about that God is the ultimate truth, the ultimate goodness, and the ultimate beauty. So everything that we have that is beautiful ultimately borrows from the beauty of God.
5: Mm
1: -hmm. And so... When we're striving for creating something beautiful, we're actually co-creating with God, which is something that I have no artistic talent whatsoever, but as an <laughs> artist, have you ever given any thought to that?
5: Yeah, I want to say kind of at the beginning, like and now that I have hindsight of everything that's happened in my life because I started down this path of actual like artistic endeavors. Now it's kind of blown my mind of I, I decided at one point that I wanted to be more intentional with that thought because I think for so often it was just like, Oh yeah, I just can create this. And I think I took for granted that not everyone has, or is given this like particular gift of artistry, particularly in the form of like pen and paper and drawing um, and so it was about two years into this new year's resolution and this, that I intentionally like kind of changed something in my mind of like, Lord, I believe that this is a gift that you've given me. So now what can I do to honor that? And what can I do to cultivate that gift? Um, knowing that I am creating with you and it, man, it was this shift that I turned from just like doodling random phrases or like whatever funny quotes to, well, let me share what the Lord is doing in my prayer life. Um, and let me just share, um, specifically like creating, what are the verses that the Lord has been speaking to me and what has been doing that. And when I shifted, that's kind of when everything blew up of this, um, just this following and people engaging more and people, I, I didn't realize that my art when connected with this idea that God, like you're doing this through me and like everything that I do comes from this personal relationship that I have with you and through the sacraments. And so when that shift happened and I'm, and I realized, Oh, I'm co-creating with you and Holy spirit. Actually, you want to do something through this. That is when I have seen such a change in not only my own life and what I create, but also in the response that I get from people when they follow my art or I create a piece for them. Like, it's almost like, okay, there's a conversion moment happening in their own life as well. So it's not just, oh yeah, I make pretty stuff and look at these squirrels, but it's so much deeper of like, can this lead to a conversion moment, big or small? Can this lead to a moment of you coming back to Jesus? And even in my own life, can this lead for my own life to come back to Jesus? And so when that shift happened, man, and even now I'm dreaming um, of bigger things that I want to do and and things that I want to create that will just continue that of helping people, man, come back to the father's love and come back to why we were created, to be in relationship with Jesus and just come back to, do you know that you're loved, that you're wanted, that you're necessary, that you're seen, that you're known um, by a God? Do you know that God is real? <laughs> like just basic, like, hey, Jesus loves you, Can we get back to that basic? so And and I don't know, I think each artist has a personal journey of, like, discovering that. Like, there's a lot of beautiful, like, secular artists that probably, I don't know their relationship with God, but they can still create beautiful things. Can that um, lead me to God? I don't think that there's intention there. But, like, what you said, everything good and beautiful and true is another facet of the the one who is goodness itself, beauty itself, truth itself.
1: Now... Listening to you I'm curious about your faith journey. You are very confident in your <laughs> faith and uh, yeah. you have no problem sharing it. Has that always been the case or what did your faith journey look like growing up?
5: I remember when I was very little so I didn't grow up Catholic. I grew up in a Protestant denomination and In this particular denomination, it was just emphasized personal relationship with Jesus, and so from a very early age, I grew up in a household where both my parents loved Jesus, and it it was a very open, like faith was a very open thing. I basically lived at the church; like I was that youth group girl (laughs) that was like always at the church, and I distinctly remember um a couple times, like when I was five, when I was in sixth grade, having a God moment where. I knew God was real, and I knew I wanted to be in relationship with Him. And I I remember that from a very early age. And um, now, looking back, I just think like, what a grace that was because I think that saved me from a lot of stuff growing up. But of course, you know, throughout middle school and high school, I had a lot of just up and downs of faith, of doubt, of is this real? Of God, I don't feel you. I don't see you. Especially um, my family when we came into the Catholic Church. My whole family did, and it was one of those moments of god i don't feel you here and so therefore i've somehow lost you and so there's moments in my life where it's just extreme doubt and um like a desolation of just trying to figure out what does a faith life mean if you don't have the feels <laughs> and just trying like i honestly like a growth in faith and maturity in faith and um and then through all of that, like when I came into the Catholic Church, I found about I found out about this missionary program that um, is a Catholic organization, and so um, just I, I did that right out of high school. So I was very really fortunate, and I think very blessed to have a good group of friends in high school and like solid foundation of faith. And then even right out of high school, I was a missionary for two years. Um and then and, and through all of that like the lord just i can i can see it now hindsight now that i'm almost 32 of uh, the lord just constantly just gently drawing me back into his heart and, and my response to it because i could have had a very different response i could have you know free will god didn't force me into any relationship but the way that he just gently i just say wooed me <laughs> and just like called me to his heart and then my response of god i don't feel you and i don't see you but i know that this is true. And so I'm just going to keep saying yes to you. And even now in my faith life, like I experience desolation or just like, you know, they have like the mountaintop experience, but also the valley of where it's really hard to have faith sometimes. And it's really hard to believe that this is all true. And it's, you know, that God is for me, that God, you know, that God has a plan for my life, especially when I'm praying for things and it's not happening, just the normal, like human (laughs) doubts and fears um and I was just actually recently like in the past couple of weeks, I was in confession and I was telling the priest, I was like, I don't know if I'm like depressed or I'm just like I'm just really down right now and, and it's really hard to believe in God and and just the advice he gave um this priest was like sometimes faith looks like just holding on to Jesus for dear life. And I was like, Is if that's not me right now of man, sometimes it means not necessarily just going through the motions, but like telling your body, like, you know, that this is true. You know, that this is good. You know, that this is like, something is working behind the scenes. If in, even if you don't feel it or see it. Um, but sometimes it's, it's telling your body, man, this, where it's almost like in John 6, where the apostles are like, Who else? Where else am I going to go, Lord? Like, you have the words of eternal life. And sometimes that's what my faith feels like of like, Lord, I don't know where else I'm going to go. Like, I don't feel you right now, but I don't know where else I'm going to go. I know you have the words of eternal life. So I think it's just like a human, like, man, and in any normal relationship, I'm going to have like the feels and it's going to be, oh my gosh, I'm so in love. And like, this is so great. And then times where I'm like, this is so much, it feels like work. And it feels like I just, half the battle is just showing up. Um, So I think at my faith life, yeah, I've come to a point where I know too much to turn away. (laughs) And, And like, I've had too many experiences with God and too many testimonies and miracles happen in my life of like, Lord, like, I I just know too much, but I also am very cautious of, but Lord, anyone is susceptible to walk away. Anyone is susceptible to, to allowing your faith life to grow so stagnant or so, um, just letting, like almost becoming lax and like practices and like no one is immune to that. So it's kind of a give and take of giving yourself grace, but also of, but you know, what's good for you. So take the medicine (laughs) kind of thing.
1: Again, want to remind our listeners, this is the Red Sea Roundup, and we are speaking with Ali Hoffman, an artist and an evangelist, if I might say. Uh, (laughs) Now, one of the things I find fascinating is, for me, the faith has always been approached from an intellectual standpoint. It had to make sense to me before I could buy into it, Mm -hmm. and that was a rather lengthy journey for me. Now, listening to you speak, when you're speaking about beauty and art and how it leads us to God, Mm -hmm. it's always a reminder that each one of us is different and there are so many approaches to God. And when you're communicating, especially when you're uh, doing a talk uh, for young people, what do you find is most eye-opening for young people when you talk about beauty and its relationship to God.
5: Yeah. I really appreciate how God made humans to have so different gifts and talents because I am not a super big intellectual, like, let me tell you, I mean, my degrees in Catholic studies, but even that, like, I don't have these big, super theological degrees, but I'm so grateful for the people that do because, Like you said, some people are converted that way and people are converted by beauty. And specifically, I think my generation, millennial generation, but then even below me, Gen Z, and even below them, I think we live in such an experience culture and like a hyper experience. So it's not, I mean, you look at Instagram and why did people in the early days want on this social media app? Why do we want to like post pictures of our lunch or post pictures of like random things. And I like why I think there's this draw of like, well, if I'm going to go to a restaurant, I want to know the atmosphere and I want to know like what I'm getting into. Cause I want to go to something that is a whole experience. And I think with Gen Z it's like hyper that it's the whole experience of everything. It's not that I just want to go get a burger with my friends, but I want the whole experience of where I go to be, to have a certain feel. And so I, and I think that we live in this culture where there is so much thrown at us. Like I said, it, there's so much noise and there's so much that we are always processing and filtering and just so much stuff before our eyeballs that we become numb to things. And, um, and I think we live in a, in a world where I, I don't want to feel anything. I don't want to feel pain. I don't want to feel sorrow. I don't want to feel – I don't want to look at my brokenness or how wounded I am. And so what do I do? I numb myself. Well, when you do that, you also numb happiness and true joy and, um, and, you know, all of these good things as well. And how we numb ourselves is, I think, either with, you know, the typical drugs and alcohol, but I also think with experiences. Why people – Scroll on social media for hours and hours. You know, we kind of joke about it of, man, I was on TikTok or I was on Instagram just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Well, I think that's just a symptom of we want to be numb. We don't want to look at, we don't want to think of these bigger questions or we don't want to look at what we do. And um, I said this at the retreat on the, in this talk of, I was reading this article of um, this one hospital in Chicago was talking about frostbite. And it was talking, it had this line where the first sign of frostbite is what they call icicle fingers. And it's basically where your fingers go numb. And this, there was this line in this article that said, numbness is the first sign of death. And I think because we are so numb, we don't even realize that we're slowly killing ourselves. And so what I think what beauty can do is that it's not an obvious, these are the truths of God. This is the Eucharist. This is a teaching on this. This is the teaching on this. This is a teaching on this. But it can draw, I think what beauty can do is to draw people to think of just something bigger than themselves. So not even talking about God yet, but just so, is there something bigger of yourself? Can I get you to feel something? Anything. Because if I can get you to feel something, then I can get you out of this numbness kind of state that we're just walking around in. And if I can get you to feel something, then I can look, then I can get you to think of, well, maybe there is something that I need to look at, whether maybe there is a brokenness or maybe there is a reason why I choose to do this. And I think once you start introducing actual feelings and to get people to feel something, I think that's what beauty can do. And so even with myself, when I teach hand lettering or I teach like these things like, yeah, it's a fun woohoo, we'll put on some music and I'll teach you how to do what I do. But when you can get people to look at to feel something, I think then we can start having a conversation of, well, why do you feel broken? Why do you feel wounded? Like, why do you feel sad all the time? And if I can get you to start talking about, then we can, okay, let me introduce you to hope and to joy and to someone who can actually feel that and heal that, whether that is miraculous healing, whether that's, you know, introducing you to therapy and counseling and medication, like, I just think that we're living in an age where numbness is the is the go to because I don't want to feel anything. So if I can get you to feel through beauty, through something, then we, let's start having a conversation.
1: One of my favorite uh, psalms is Psalm nineteen, which mm. basically begins, "The heavens declare the glory yes. of God; the firmament proclaims the works of His hands." And. Listening to you talk, you know, that came to mind, uh, you know, Mm. if you were laying out on the grass, when we were little, we would do this uh, and look at the night sky and Mm. see the vastness and the beauty of it. And, you know, I think this is one of the things that you were just talking about. Yeah. Recognizing that that causes us to feel, well, most of the time makes me feel uh, infinitesimal if I lay there and look at the sky. But that all this is telling us something about God.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And if we truly feel something because of that beauty, then by default, we're brought closer to God whether we know it or not.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even... In Psalm 19, it's also one of my favorite Psalms, because it says very specifically, like, they don't utter a word or a sound. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that they are saying, hey, hey, we're beautiful, and we point to the beautiful God, but it's, like you said, it just is. It, it just, it does it, like you said, without words. And I don't want to say, like, you know, there's that quote that's attributed to St. Francis where, you know, preach the gospel all times and use words when necessary. And I always have an issue because I'm like, no, no, words are super necessary. Like, I, I want to say um, Pope Benedict, Pope Meritus Benedict sixteenth, he said, no, no, words are necessary. Like, preaching Jesus's name is necessary. But I'm not, especially if I'm at, in a culture where any mention of God is immediately like shunned or dismissed or just like, okay, yeah, yeah, you're that Jesus person. So if I can if I can get to a point where without words I can bring you to a space of feeling and stuff and then introduce this is why I have hope. Like this is why I have joy. This is why I have peace and this is why I'm getting healing. And it's because it's the name of Jesus and then use my words. But man, yeah, like there's a there's a reason why we love to look at the stars. There's a reason why, like, just beautiful scenery kind of stops us in our track. And kind of, like you said, like, there's a reason why it does that. And like you said, it it is speaking to an infinite God without using words. And I think that is beautiful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you just brought up something that uh, I usually use when I tell people about the existence of God that, you know— True beauty is actually a proof for the existence of God, strictly because mm. it can make us do this. It can make us stop in our tracks and be overwhelmed. And yeah. that if our ancestors did this, saber-toothed tigers would have eaten them when they were frozen in place, <laughs> looking at something beautiful. <laughs> because yes, but beauty serves no purpose in itself, yeah, in the natural mm-hmm. realm. And yet, we all experience beauty. Mm. And so ultimately it is a transcendent experience, which all transcendent things point us towards God. And so I've always found that fascinating. One other yeah, thing.
5: that's so good.
1: Uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up, and this is from Ecclesiastes and it, uh, 3.11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its time.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: And the thought I had is that, you know, we so often fail to recognize beauty because it's not time for us to recognize it yet. Oh, yes. And uh, I think, especially for young people today, we don't recognize the beauty because we're too busy, mm. l- as you said, numbing ourselves.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that, you know, your emphasis on beauty. And uh, your efforts to introduce young people to the connection between God and the beautiful is so needed in our culture.
5: Mm
1: -hmm. And uh, what kind of response do you get from young people? Like, for instance, when you introduce them to calligraphy or something, Mm
5: -hmm.
1: do they recognize that they can create something beautiful just by sitting there with a pen?
5: Yeah. It's so funny because I I never know what kind of like students I'll get there. But what is super interesting is one, I'm always also very encouraging because so many people, one, we don't like to try new things. Like there's just this adverse effect of, I don't want to try anything because I don't want to fail. And so I try to make it very, just an easy gateway of listen, we're just going to have a lot of fun. Like whatever you create, it's going to be amazing. And so when I go from table to table and I, you know, just looking at what they make and encourage um, and whatever they're making, it is so interesting to see people's face either say, oh, no, 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 or, or their face light up or like just have some kind of reaction um, to that. But what is most interesting is that in a lot of these, Classes, hand lettering workshops I do when guys come. That's always my favorite because guys are like, "Oh no, no, I don't do you know hand lettering." And there's usually like colored pens and like all these fun things. But it's so interesting to watch these young men create things and then be encouraged in that because then. I've I've had so many conversations with young men of like, yeah, I didn't know that I could do that. Or like I had no idea that that's something that I would enjoy or anything like that. And then even encouraging at this last retreat I was at when I was doing a hand lettering workshop, I, afterwards I was talking to this young high schooler, this guy who um, does art and he has a notebook and I was just looking through it. And I was just encouraging. He was like, no, this is just a hobby. Like I can't do that. And I was like, why not? Like this is something that you obviously have a talent for. I think, I think the thing is people don't think that that like being an artist or creating beautiful things, that's something that can happen for them. I think we're just programmed into this idea of what success is and what, um, you know, what's going to make me money, what's going to make me happy. And what's going to make me happy? A lot of money. How do I do that? This, these high power, like paying jobs instead sort of realizing, okay, what's the meaning of life and it, you know, it just goes into this deeper kind of existential question of, what's the meaning of life? What's my purpose? And so I always enjoy it because even afterwards, like in all the workshops I do, I tell people one way that you can practice this, because if you do anything for, for every single day, if you do everything for a day, or how do I say that? If you practice anything every single day, you're going to get better at it. So it's like, if you want to practice hand lettering, the, the way I do it is in my prayer. So I'll just read, you know, the daily readings and I'll doodle something hand letter something that sticks out to me and I'll take time to do that. And when you're doing that, you're you're going slower and you're focusing on it and it becomes written on your heart. And so I give them tools and ways of like, man, if you want to keep practicing, here's what to do from now on. But it it is so fun to me um, to see and so enjoyable to me to see people light up and be like, hey, this is actually something that, one, I love to do. Like, I really enjoy doing this and that I can do.
1: There's one thing, uh, and we're almost done with the interview. I can't believe the time has already flown oh, wow. by. <laughs> uh, I want to read a quote from uh, uh, St. John Paul II's Letter to Artists, and I want your comment on this. Uh, paragraph six says, every genuine artistic intuition goes beyond what the senses perceive and reaching beneath reality's surface, strives to imper- uh, interpret its hidden mystery. The intuition itself springs from the depth of the human soul where the desire to give meaning to one's life is joined by the fleeting vision of beauty and of the mysterious unity of all things. Mm. And. That John Paul II. (laughs) Yes. uh, He had a way with words. (laughs) Yes. But uh, I think, and this is what we've been talking about all this time, is the fact that each one of us is capable of glimpsing a fleeting image of true beauty. Yeah. And... All of us have some way of expressing that. And so ultimately all of us in a way are artists, whether we yeah, know it or we, not.
5: Yes. Yes. So I think that is the, the thing, like the main point of like all of us create something, whether you are amazing at Excel spreadsheets or like administrative work, or you make, you bring order to that kind of life, or you're an actual artist with a pen and paper or paint or something like that. like, All of us create, and I I think it's exactly everything we've been talking about, is that, man, when you can understand, like, if you have a relationship with Jesus and you can understand how the specific gifts and talents that you have when united with Jesus, what that can do for the world, because we think, oh, in order for God to use me, it has to be this big thing, like I have to go to Africa or I have to be a missionary, I have to do all this stuff, and you might be called to that, or... Most likely, you have unique gifts and talents that the Lord has given you these supernatural gifts to give back to the world. And when united with Jesus, He is going to use that to bring conversion. Like, He's going to use that to bring His kingdom. So it doesn't have to be these crazy big things, not necessarily. It can be everyday mundane. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. And the beauty that you create and just like creating a household or loving your children, like what that can bring to the world, like don't discredit or discount any gifts you have. And I I always tell people like there's a reason why you live here in 2022 and not 500 years ago or 1500 years ago, because God in his infinite wisdom needed you now in this world with your unique gifts and talents that I don't have, because you reveal a different facet and characteristics of God the Father that I do not have, that the world needs right now. So just praying about, man, discernment of gifts and what do I love to do? What am I good at? What do I just naturally am I drawn to? And then another question, what do I hate? Because I think that that also that passion of what do I hate? And one thing, for example, like I hate when people don't know that they're loved i hate when people don't don't know that they're seen or wanted and because i hate that i know i can use my gifts and talents to counteract that and be like no i have such a passion for this that i want people to know that they're loved they're seen and they're known and so everything that i do comes from this place of um of wanting people to know that so like you said like Allie, everyone we're gonna have to oh, cut wait, short wait, here we're
1: running, we're running out of time <laughs> Hours. Uh, yes, uh, we may need to do this again. I want to thank Ali Hoffman for being on the show and talk to us a little bit about how we find God through beauty and how, as a, an artist, we truly co-create with God. I want to thank everyone for listening to us today. The roundup will be back next week, and uh, I hope that all of you all will have an opportunity to tune in for that. Until then, whenever you consider the many ways which you might share your time, talons, and treasure with the people of God, always round up.